2: Of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club, Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes. During this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport, with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family-friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you all to our huddle. You are in oh, the Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus, at least up front today. He'll be joining us a little bit later on. But with me, per usual, the master of all things sound and a man who's apparently always looking at four screens at any given time during this podcast, Mr. Maxime Sonette. How's it going? Maxime, I am excited, fired up, couldn't wait to announce that rejoining us after way too long, a 13-year veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, and UFC title fights, and perhaps most importantly for this podcast, all three levels of basketball, a draft expert who has followed players like James Wiseman and Jonathan Kuminga throughout their sporting lives, and a woman who is currently suffering through the dating scene in Utah, Miss... Kristen Peake, what's going on, KP? Listen,
3: 2022, it's going to be my year. I'm putting it out there in the universe like it's going to happen. I mean, I know the dating scene here in Utah is like it's I've committed social suicide, but something's going to happen. I'm going to have a breakthrough and everything's going to be okay.
2: So Maxime, some background here. The last time we all heard KP's voice wasn't that long ago. It was in that Steph Curry centric episode. But I had the pleasure of recording with her for a while while we got her Steph Curry stores. And during that, she sprinkled in little pieces of these nightmares she's fucking having in Utah while dating. And in fact, it wasn't just limited to that conversation. In preparation for today, she shot me a picture of a draft or draft of a dating profile of a guy who's apparently hitting on her out there uh, it can only be described as someone with a curly mull- or mullet rather and a mustache that looks like a small animal crawled onto his face and died and if that wasn't worse enough at the top of this profile is hashtag mondays am i right which bothers me more than i can fucking possibly tell you like what is he like garfield the cat like are monday's jokes still something that happened now anyways i was i was impressed kp and can only hope that uh, you and that gentleman are getting along really well
3: No, no, we're not. We're not going down that road with him. That's why I sent it to you. And when he said, like, Omicron isn't a thing, like, that was his hot take. And I had COVID over Christmas. Like, I ruined Christmas in Colorado because I got COVID. Like, no, that guy, it's not happening. But I've also, like, there was a guy that was cutting my grass. And I went out to take Gary, my puppy, out for a walk. And he stopped me. He's like, hey, I have a question. He's wearing a jazz shirt. And I had just written this article about how the jazz were like the losers of the draft. And so I thought he was going to call me out for that. And instead he's like, are you single? Because it feels like you're flirting with me every time you walk your dog. And I'm like, okay, I'm in like sweats. I haven't washed my hair in like four days. It's not like I'm in like a bikini and high heels walking my dog around. And I was just like, no, I'm not flirting with you. This other guy I went out with, I thought the entire time his name was Andrew. And he kept referring, like, he'd be like, oh, I know. I was like, Alex. And I'm like, who's Alex? And so then I didn't realize that Alex was his name till after the date. I'm calling him Andrew the whole time. And I sent him a message. I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I called you Andrew. And he goes, I didn't want to correct you. So like, this is a dude that probably would have changed his name to Andrew for me. And then another guy like said his dream job was to work at the mall at Express. This is like a grown ass man, like a 38-year-old man. He's like, "I'm going to get a job at Express at the mall." I'm like, "Well, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of Utah. I have to."
2: I mean, working from the top, I feel like that first dude looked into the mirror, saw his mustache and was like, "Only half my face makes me look like an <laughs> asshole." I definitely need to grow a mullet and then was- Was able to put it all the way together, and then the aggressive slash pompous guy. What's the faster way to make sure somebody runs away from you than insinuating, "Oh, you're flirting with me"? I mean, it just immediately makes you feel awkward. But the one person I'll defend, Christian, and in fact, I'll go ahead and tell you to go fuck yourself. I once took a karate class when I was a kid, and the entire time the teacher called me Fram with an F, and I never felt like saying anything. I was hell of embarrassed by it, and let him call me Fram the entire time. So, look, those things happen.
3: Don't you worry. No, but can I tell you when I was on this date with Andrew slash Alex, Alex, the whole Call time, Fram. Fram, yes, the whole time we're sitting there at a bar and like, he's talking my ear off. I'm not even listening to him anymore. And a guy sits down next to him. And all I can think of is how do I get out of this date and start talking to this guy? <laughs> like, do I follow him to the bathroom? Like, I don't, I don't know. So That's how bad that date was. I'm like, I couldn't tell you a single thing. Andrew slash Alex said to me in the, like the last hour. It was bad.
2: Two follow-ups. One is just a suggestion. You need to go back out with Andrew slash Alex and just fire off a new name for him. Every sentence, Bob Grant, you know, just see when he ultimately uh, crosses the line or or draws the line rather, but maybe more importantly in follow-up question, what was it about the other dude that other guy sits down and you're like, Oh, I need to meet this guy. What was it? Was he like shirtless or something? Was he just hella good looking? Like what caught your eye about that dude?
3: He looked, I'm sorry to say this, but he looked like he wasn't from Utah. He was he was actively. I went there to watch basketball, and this dude's just talking my ear off. And the guy sitting next to him was actively watching the game. And I'm like, why am I not on a date with this guy? I'm gonna say.
2: Excuse me, sir. Two follow-up questions: Are you watching that basketball game? And are you not from Utah? Yeah, let's.
3: And are you single?
2: Yes. Uh, We got a lot of basketball related topics. First, a little bit of logistics. So we've got a new thing going here, Christian. Um, We're going to call it the body posture police. Last week, I called it the master of all things body posture or body posture, but that's a little uh, reductive. So what we have going here, and I gave this title to Maxime last week, but he was terrible at it. So I am now taking the, uh, the title. I get to watch everybody on here. And if at any point I feel like you guys are bored or not having the time of your life, I will call it out. And the reason I had to take it out from Maxime's hands while we were announcing it, Marcus, who actually showed up to that podcast, started yawning and fucking Maxime didn't say shit. Like literally didn't say one thing about it. It's the only reason we gave him the role. So that has been stripped from him. I will be serving as our body posture police. Uh, Maxime, any parting thoughts before this title is completely stripped from it? yeah that's bullshit
0: I deserve that title listen the whole thing Bram you're the host of the show you're talking I'm certainly I've been habituated over years to not talk over you when you're in the middle of a take because like you got great takes you know and so while he's yawning you're talking I'm not gonna talk over you that's horrendous radio and yet for some reason now I'm being stripped of the title for doing a great job
2: Let the record reflect that Maxime's body posture showed that he agrees with me and he thinks 100% that I should be the body posture police. Let's jump in, you guys.
1: Need a good podcast recommendation? Well, the Players' Tribune has launched its first-ever mental health podcast called Blindsided. It's hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. The podcast lets listeners hear athletes describe the life-changing moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. They dive deep, get clinical, and allow listeners to get a better understanding of the different mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes specifically, like Kevin Love, Paul Bissonnette, and Kurt Warner, learned to take them head-on. Blindsided is a sports podcast not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: And we're going to break break ranks a little bit today. So, we normally start with the glass half full and we look back at things we like and we don't like. But instead, I'm going to go back to a segment we haven't done for a while. It's one of my favorite. It's the Off the Court Report. The idea is pretty simple. If you listen to this podcast, you like basketball enough where you watch every single second of what happens during the 48 minutes that the Warriors are playing. But Kristen, like some of our other guests, is lucky enough to have access to these guys in a way that we can only dream of. She watches them both off the court, and in some instances on the court, but outside of the 48 minutes. And here today, I happen to know that Christian was in Utah for the Warriors' big victory there and actually had a great story from the warmups. So let me just shut up and throw it to her. Uh, Christian, what do you got?
3: All right. So I walked in after, like, the, the coaches all meet with media at, like, 5, 5.15. And then I usually just go out. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite time of, like, pregame is watching everybody else warm up. So I walk out, and usually there's, like, let me just set in – previous utah games there's usually like 30 people utah fans watching donovan mitchell warm up he's got his headphones on he's focused but they all like love him i walk in there's probably like 150 200 warriors fans watching Steph warm up standing in the stands And there's nobody on the other side watching Donovan Mitchell. And like, it blew my mind. I was like, what is happening? And like the shots Steph was making, like everybody was just blown away. Like they would cheer every time. Like he would do trick shots and be like, Oh, you know, like they'd never seen it before, but it was, it was crazy. And I didn't realize that clay also made something that was like 23 straight threes in that pregame as well. That was before that was like, he did his pregame when all the media was meeting with the coaches, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was something I never thought I'd ever see in the state of Utah. Is like know, you know you got the golden child Donovan Mitchell, and nobody cares about him. They all just want to see Steph.
2: You know Donovan pretty well. I mean, you covered yeah. him for a long time. Do you think that bothered him? I mean, there's no way he didn't notice it, right? I mean, it's his court. He's out there. It's his fans. Is that the kind of thing that would resonate with him?
3: So I think what he chopped it up as, because also Utah, the University of Utah was playing Ohio State. It was like the fourth quarter. They had tied the game. So I think in Donovan's mind, he's probably like, oh, they're all just probably watching the Utah game. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, but it's definitely, like, he had to notice it. Like, it was so blatantly obvious. Like, the fact that the fans were standing. And then when Steph came off the court, you know, he took about three minutes, signed as many autographs as he could. And this Utah Jazz fan, this kid, hands him a Utah Jazz hat. Steph looks at it. He's like, you know, I don't play for this team. And, like, he was going to hand it back, but he signed it anyways and then, like, threw the pen in the crowd. But, like, he was a good sport about it. But the I fact that, that, like, his face, his face was just like, what? You want me to sign this? I don't play for this team.
2: You tweeted that video out and I, I yes. loved it, not only just for the entertainment value of, you know, showing what kind of a superstar Steph is. And that even opposing fans are desperate to have him sign their hat, something they're going to be you know wearing all the time. But I also love Steph's reaction, you know, because he was a little bit incredulous in a way that only Steph can be. His face screamed like, what's
3: going on I here? I know, like, you but, really want me to sign this? Yeah. But
2: he had what looked like a three second interaction if three second interaction with the fan and in the course of those three seconds at least based on my really biased perception he made that fan feel important and included and then gave off the hat and off he went I mean it was literally like a little joke like oh you really want me to and then you know he disappears and then has a fuck Donovan the Mitchell uh, shooting performance <laughs> on half the court and I gotta ask you this and Maxime I'll, I'll direct it towards you if you're there Right. You see Steph on one side. Everyone's standing, watching. You see Donovan on the other. Nobody's there. It's in Donovan's arena. Would you feel bad for Donovan at all?
0: No, Uh, but uh, I mean, but I'm totally biased because like I'm a Steph Curry fan. Like, of course, I'm going to be just paying attention to Steph. I'm probably going to not even notice that Donovan Mitchell is on the court.
2: Here's neurotic fact number, I don't know, 4,800,000 for me. So yeah, I couldn't be more Homer, you know? I mean, obviously I couldn't be a bigger Steph Curry fan. If I was there, I would have felt bad for him. Like, I'm just, I don't like that, dude. I don't like when people feel left out. Uh,
3: Do you know, do you know what, can I tell you? Like the thing that surprised me is Steph is this massive, like the greatest shooter of all time, you know? And like, he just takes warm up or he takes the pregame, like doesn't wear any headphones. Like he does his own thing. And I see that, and that's more impressive to me because Donovan wears headphones, like Carl Anthony Towns. I've seen LeBron come out and put headphones on to, like, stay in the zone. Steph Curry's just like, oh, I'm going to make five in a row from half court (laughs) and just interact with these fans. Like, no big deal, you know? And that, that, to me, was more impressive than you know, feeling sorry for Donovan that nobody cared about his shoot around.
2: It's too bad that Donovan had headphones on because if I was there, I would have been screaming things like, <laughs> no, they like
3: you too, Donovan. Like, don't worry about it. You're
2: fine. I, to give you a sense of how deep this neurosis uh, lasts in, and I have no idea why I'm telling this story, but I went to, my wife likes things like farmer's markets. I fucking hate farmer's <laughs> markets. They, they, they combine my two like worst things. I hate buying things and I hate having people felt left out. So, like, if we walk around there and there's a booth that no one's going to, I'm immediately there pretending like I have some interest (laughs) in their bullshit product. Last week, I bought a cow's wax candle. I have no idea what the fuck cow's wax is. I don't know how they make wax out of cows. All I can tell you is it smells like shit when you light it. And I probably would have felt really bad for Donovan. Let's move to our golden questions, you guys. And it's kind of a special one. So Clay's coming back um, and I was going to limit this to only questions concerning Clay. Then KP, we we're lucky enough to land you. And I've been secretly putting off all these Kaminga questions we've gotten to the side so that I can run them by it. So today we're going to combine them, quick reminder, These are all questions that came from our fans. People are nice enough to write in. If you'd like to do that, shoot them to uh, huddle at warriorshuddle.com. These questions occasionally get personal. Most of the time have to do with basketball. And here's our first quote. Assuming Clay gets back to at least 70% of where he was, how does he help the Warriors on and off the floor? KP, why don't you start us off?
3: I mean, just back at 70%, like the... When I saw the Warriors play against the Jazz the other night, it's like their offense is so fast. It's so fun. Steph already has, like, so much attention to him. He draws two defenders. It opens up the spacing on the floor. So you add Clay to that backcourt, I mean, then you've got got so much to worry about, and it's just going to be, like, raining threes, and I'm so excited. And off the court, I mean, he's already been, like, he's traveling with the team. He's very active on the bench. I saw him, like, even sitting there in his like suit, you know, before everybody came out, he's shooting threes from the bench with Steph, like having a good time. So I think he brings like great energy and also like a lot of the young guys look up to him and he's going to become a great leader.
2: Is there any truth to the rumor that Utah fans preferred watching Clay shoot from the bench than watching Donovan Mitchell play basketball or that's all unfounded?
3: I would not go that far.
2: Unfounded. Okay, I mean, you know, that's, that's why we have him.
3: Yeah, that's the why entire. I use the phrase
2: rumor. I mean, I don't know. I, I just read that somewhere, so I, I wanted to throw it by you. Maxime, what do you think? How's he help us?
0: Well, look, I mean, I think on the on the floor, it's very unlikely that the majority of that 70% is going to come from the offensive end. I think we're all pretty confident in seeing his game uh, be pretty much the same, more or less, uh, in, in that he's a spot-up shooter. The question is how much he's going to actually Provided the same impact that he had before on the defensive end, so you know I I'm not to sort of bring it down if he's back at seventy percent, but that's the thing that I may be looking for is how quickly can he move around the court off the ball? I guess on the offensive component, and you know he was reliably the guy that was handling the opposing team's best guard. Uh, right, so sort of give Steph a break on the defensive end. So we'll see how that all goes. I think you know the the key, almost for me as much as um, being off the court, right, is sort of like off the ground, right? He's now commuting back and forth across uh, by boat. And he's like bringing Wiseman in to his like boating expeditions. And we've seen a little bit of behind the scenes about that. And you see how much Wiseman gets lit up by being in his presence. And I think, you know, the more Warriors players, the more people from the Warriors staff, um, the more people from the Warriors huddle, let's say, he's bringing on his boat, um, the more this team is going to get amped up.
2: If you gave me like a list of... Things that I could do with NBA players that didn't have to do with NBA basketball, and I could choose from any of them. I think time on Clay's boat is like top three for me. There's some random ass video that showed him on a beach somewhere doing martial arts moves for like (laughs) 35 seconds with a piece of like beach wood that he found, and I get the like the impression literally he was just riding around on his boat, saw some you know random stretch of stand, and is like that needs to be used for a martial arts expedition right now, and like that's that's the kind of energy. I'd like to be a part of um, as far as how he helps the team. I mean, come on. Uh, He doesn't just fit the Warriors puzzle. He helped create it. You know, this is a guy who is going to help their spacing. It's a guy who's going to give them another score in the second unit. It's a guy who can switch everything. It's a guy who helps almost every component of this team. Also, as the resident body posture police, I feel like we're losing Kristen's fucking attention to No, no, no. Where sorry, are you looking? I'm sweating no, now because no, 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 no. I don't even I, know what you're looking at. It's like, I have,
3: I, I'm sorry. I should have given a disclaimer. <laughs> I have two games on right now. I've got Duke, wow. uh, Georgia Tech, and Florida Alabama on right now. I'm sorry.
2: Well, I should give you a disclaimer. Every time I get the feeling that you're watching one of those, I'm going to take it super hard and get crazy distracted. So, you know, it is what it is. Apparently, you aren't the only person who uh, is watching screens so that you get that reference, by the way. When I gave Maxime a ton of shit last week, for for not you know nailing his role as body posture police. He was like, "Hey, I've got four screens up at all times." I didn't think in back-to-back episodes I'd be facing a screen problem, Christian. So whatever's going on over there,
3: Listen, you're driving I, your At least I'm like leaving my camera on. I could turn my camera off and then you guys wouldn't even know. So I would much
2: prefer that. I would much prefer that. Can we go back to a time when that's the option because at least then I wouldn't know I've totally lost your attention. Um I'll pick it back up on things <laughs> that I like about his return off the floor. So look, three-time champion who everybody loves in the locker room. Yeah. But this isn't coming directly from me. Here's a quote from an article I pulled from the Chronicle and it came out a year ago after clay got hurt. He starts rehabbing the ACL. And here's what the article said, quote Thompson's easygoing demeanor melds ideally with the excitable curry and fiery Draymond green during rough stretches in the season. Thompson has been known to keep the two teams mood light with his unintentional brand of humor, quote, It's important for all of us, as well as Clay himself, that he's around this season, Steve Kerr said. Continued Kerr, I would love to have him here as much as possible. That connection is really important. Clay is such a huge part of our team. I want our young players to feel his presence. So everything he adds on the floor, we've watched. We've watched during their dynastic run. I think what he's going to add off the floor is almost as important. Uh, so one of the things that gets thrown around is Warriors Twitter has been joking, you know, and it's not just Twitter, all forms of social media. Everyone's saying, hey, I'm going to shed a tear when Clay gets back out there. Maxime, you think you will? What, what kind of emotions do you think will get sparked when the 11 gets back out on the floor?
0: I will, I will absolutely shed a tear. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's it's even, I've already shed tears, right? As he's like walking off, holding six up, you know, just thinking about the amount of time that he's, I mean, he's just absolutely one of my favorite players of all time. Um, so yeah, I, I know that I will cry because I've already cried.
2: I'd like to tell you that I wouldn't cry, but since I almost cried because KP is no longer paying attention, I I think we all know I'd be lying. Christian, have you ever cried at a sporting event in any setting like that?
3: I don't think so, but uh, I come from a family that literally like loves the Denver Broncos and loves John Elway. Like my parents moved from Northern California, where John Elway was quarterback at Stanford, to Colorado. We've had season tickets ever since, and my mom had a retirement party when John Elway retired, and she cried. Um, I'm just kind of like a heartless bitch, and like I don't <laughs> cry ever, so. <laughs> No, I do not cry at sporting events.
2: (laughs) I used to cry. This will be a shock to everybody. I was a petulant little bastard as a kid. And so like, and I took things crazy hard. So there was definitely times when my team lost and I cried, you know, and when I say kid, I mean, you know, 25, 26 years old, whatever. (laughs) Um, But I don't think I've ever cried in like a happiness setting. I went to the final game in uh, Oracle and the person I went with when clay got hurt and then came back out and shot those free throws did have a tear coming down his, his face. I've, and I'll share this with you guys, lied and pretended like that was me a couple of times. I've told that story and been like, Oh, and when he came back out, just one tear, one tear came down, but it's never happened. If I had to guess, I don't think I'm going to cry when he's out there, but who knows? You know, we'll uh, we'll find out. Let's go to Kaminga. So backdrop um kp has been at the forefront of the warriors kaminga movement at least as far as i'm concerned since before the draft we came to her talked about the upside she nailed them. when he was first drafted we came to her talked about the upsides she nailed them. he's played now he's got some minutes we've, we've had a little bit of experience with jonathan kaminga so here is our first question quote what has impressed you so far about kaminga's early nba career
3: I would say the fact that he is stepping into the role. He's not afraid to take the shots and he doesn't look timid. Like if you think back to what James Wiseman was last year, we saw him like a step behind defensively a lot and Draymond pulling him aside. Like he was really struggling. I don't see that with JK. I mean, even in the, the whatever, like seven minutes he played in Utah, like they had him guarding um, Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson. And Even there were times when Steph was on Jordan Clarkson and he was, you know, getting shots off. So it's not like Jordan's not a great player. And so the fact that like JK had that assignment and was doing really well defensively, I think that's something that will add to his game as his NBA career uh, progresses. But I've just been mostly impressed with just like his demeanor on the court, the way he just takes the assignment. You know, he had four really horrible fouls in the Utah game. I told Bram, I was like, I came to see DK, and like he played two minutes, got two quick fouls in the first half. Comes in the second half, has two quick fouls, another two minutes, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Was... We,
2: we all know the only reason you came was to stand and watch Steph warm up. So don't <laughs> lie to us about the uh, the true rationale. What do you credit that with? Why? And so here, let me let me frame that a better way. So the thing that stuck out to me, I, I expected his it athleticism. It's impressed me, but. You know, I expected it. it. It didn't totally surprise me. The thing I wasn't ready for is his impressive basketball IQ. He seems to already know where he fits on the floor. And I'm not the only one to think that. Um, here's another quote I stole before we started this podcast. Uh, quote, he sees the game way better than I thought he'd see the game. Uh, Kuminga's famously blunt teammate Draymond Green said of the rookie skills at the start of the season. The way he can put the ball on the floor, collapse the defense and kick it out. I didn't expect him to read the floor like that. He does a great job of it. And I think that is the biggest surprise for me. So, KP, turning this into a follow-up question to you, and instead of it being a shot at Wiseman, you know, focusing only on Kaminga, why, what what do you credit this with? Does it surprise you that he's able to, to speed his mind up this quickly? Is this something that he's always shown? Where's this coming from?
3: I mean, he's been a winner at every level of basketball he's ever played at. Like you have to remember he was the number one player in high school before he reclassed. And by the way, he didn't just reclass. He reclassed and decided to go play against pros as a 17 year old. I mean, you, you you see Scoot Henderson doing the same thing. That's a whole nother story. We'll talk about him like two drafts from now, but uh, with Kaminga, I mean, it's just like, he has said it to me simply. He has said it and it, and he does it like he says it like a kid, like he just shrugs his shoulders. He's like, "Basketball's basketball, KP. Like, if you can play a ball, like you can play at any level, you can play it anywhere. And, and that's what I'm doing. That's what I've always done. I'm just chilling. Like, that's what he says to me. And I'm like, OK, just casually playing in the NBA. Like, all right, JK, you do you like it's he's so he's so just like casual about it and so confident in his ability like it doesn't surprise me at all because he's always been that way as a basketball player like he is from the congo you know what i mean so what it's taken from him to come from there to here dominate at the high school dominate at the au level uh play very very well against pros in the g league and then finally now he's got a shot at the nba to him it's just like yeah it's just basketball yep.
2: Um, Let's bring you up to speed, MT. Uh, I got some questions, so that we get your opinions first. Just a little bit of background. KP is watching like six or seven different college games right now, so she may <laughs> be paying attention. She may not. Two, we'll find that probably not. Yeah, probably. It's all right. Not.
3: I'm just, I'm just doing my job. I'm a drafting. It is, it is it's what it is. Tell. I just want Marcus to know the setting. Hey, you don't have
2: to get defensive. Two four screen. Maxime has been taken off of master of all body posture. That is now me. So keep your fucking body posture tight. <laughs> we calling you out. Which brings us to our questions. Um, Pick one. How does Clay help us either on or off the floor when he gets back?
1: Like Clay has always been a remarkable player um, that his skill set doesn't like it matches up perfectly with Steph. Like I think um, Wiggs said it in the last practice. Um, He was joking with Draymond. He was like, the dude doesn't dribble the ball. And I think, you know, like that highlights what kind of player Clay is when he scores, you know, like whatever, 60 something points and dribbles at 11 times, you know, that's just like a crazy stat, but it's really how he plays. Like he floats, gets open and um, doesn't need to put the ball on the floor to get off a good shot. That'll probably go in, you know, plus 40% of the time. So I think the. The gravity that Steph commands um, is one thing, and it's talked about a lot. I think Clay commands the second most gravity on that team. And when you add that onto the floor, I think it's just going to open up even more opportunities for Wiggins to continue to play at an all star level, more opportunities for Jordan Poole to sit in the corner and just drain the three all day, and more opportunities for Draymond to have, um, you know, the. The fake screen and fake roll and just dive to the basket and get a dunk. So I think on the floor, his um, playing style, you know, is is going to be a perfect compliment. And like everybody's saying, you know, when when he's out there, it, it it's going to make us a dangerous, dangerous team, which we already have the best record in the league. <laughs> Much more
2: importantly, so the audience didn't get to hear this, but Christian made it clear that she prefers Maxime's beard to mine, which I am not taking <laughs> very well. So, you know, now looking at the two beards, can we agree that my beard is actually much nicer?
1: Uh, I'm gonna I'm go with Maxime's too. Oh my god, dude. I mean, I'm not <laughs> a, Maxime, can we just cut out your video so that we don't have to worry
2: about my growing beard envy? And then, final question don't answer it yet, MT. Um, the question will be, do you think you will cry? When Clay comes onto the floor for the first time on Sunday, Christian, what's your guess? Marcus will be honest with us uh you know what what do you think when they comes out there, will m t shed a tear?
3: No, he doesn't look like a crier. he looks like a hard ass like me. <laughs>
2: Man, I'm trying to remember if I said I was going to cry or not I think all I said was that I was a petulant little bastard when I was a kid So I'm not sure that helps at all Also, as the body posture master When I started up the segment I feel like Marcus started nodding like profusely So I think he's going to say he is going to cry Maxime, round out our guesses
0: I mean, this might be one of the rare times that Marcus doesn't tell the truth If he isn't going to cry I think no matter what actually happens He's going to say he's going to cry Because it's Clay Thompson
1: MT. I'm definitely not gonna cry. Because you're a badass fucking. Yeah, I'm a hard ass. So KP called it. <laughs> no, I mean it's gonna be a, a emotional moment for sure, and it's it's gonna be great. Um, uh, you know, it's a long time coming, but it doesn't generate tears for me. I'm just happy for the dude. He gets to play the sport he loves, and coincidentally, he happens to be really, really good at what he loves and on my favorite team. I don't
2: know if I've mentioned this, but I'm way too much of a hard ass to cry in any sporting event. <laughs> um,
1: so if I didn't answer it
2: before, I should probably say it now. Christian, uh, take the mic again. Bring us back to Kaminga. Take me to the other side of the coin. So if that's something that's impressed you, what's something that you know, if, if concerned is too strong of a word, something that stuck out as not so positive uh, to the the early portion of his NBA career?
3: I mean I know we're focused on his like IQ and and how it might be elevated for a rookie but I haven't necessarily been impressed with like his uh his reads off the ball screen mm. I guess I mean I feel like he's always just looking for stuff and I wish mm. that he would have a little bit more assertiveness and um and and just do make the right read you know what I mean and so yep. I think he I think in his mind he knows he knows his role. He knows he's just out there for to give whoever else a break. And like it wasn't until I saw him play in Toronto when everybody was everybody was out, you know, yep. and he had 26 points or whatever. And I think that was more of like a personal vendetta because Scotty Barnes, who went number four, is getting a lot of rookie of the year love. Um Kaminga and him have played together against each other uh, on the AAU circuit, on the Nike EYBL. So I think that was like a personal, like, no, 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 I'm going to show you what my future is and who I'm going to be.
2: If the Warriors circumstances were always like that Toronto game, right? Because they had a bunch of people missing because of COVID. And then as a reaction, they also sat a bunch of the veterans. I think that uh, Steph and Draymond didn't even travel. Andre wasn't there, all of that. So let's say it was a similar circumstance. You know, he finds, Kuminga finds himself, in a circumstance that Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham and some of these other records do. If that was the setting, do you think that Kamingo would be putting up 25 a night?
3: My gosh. If Jonathan Kamingo was playing for the Houston Rockets, he would be putting up 28, 25 a night, hands down.
2: I'd love to hear that.
0: I, I'm curious, Greg, because I like, I don't, I don't have the skills that you do obviously in um, evaluating talent. And I'm wondering to what extent this is just like a young person in his role that is watching Steph or like would other, you know, if like Scotty Barnes is on the team, right. Would he be doing a better job um, making reads off the screen? Or is this just, you know, like I said, the nature of a, of a young player.
3: I think it's just the nature of a young player, but also, uh, I mean, if we're going to compare Kaminga with Scotty Barnes, Scotty is a way better defender and he, I feel like his feel for the game as a rookie is a little mm. bit elevated to jk fair enough but
0: does he if i mean i, I guess i'm wondering I know what you're Sky- saying
3: like if he was in the same would he be looking for Steph? Off exactly every, yeah yeah i i think so like he's a, yeah of course if you're if you're on the court with the best shooter of all time like you want to get him touches like you don't want to be the reason why you miss out on a possession Yep. Nope.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, in, you're in the midst of a weirdo possible MVP season, you know, the coming is stuck in this kind of, he wants to develop himself, but he also wants to show the Warriors that no, 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 I'm part of this. And the fastest way to show everyone in that franchise that you're willing to be a team player is just to look for 30 in, you know, in every possible scenario. Uh, boys, take me back to clay. So give me your favorite off the court Clay moment, you know, not, not something, not the 37 points, but, but something he did that strikes out, you know, we've heard the scaffolding we've heard the signing, the toaster, things like that. Is there one of those that is your, uh, your absolute favorite?
1: I'll go first. Um, It was how he told his parents where he was going to play college basketball. So apparently he was on multiple um, recruiting trips and really liked uh a college that he went to i don't remember which one it was we'll just say oregon for for whatever sakes um so gets back and um his parents are in their house downstairs and his mom gets a call on her phone and it's clay and clay says hey um i'm going to washington state you know i want to let you guys know and his mom was like okay and hung up and his dad was like who was that and he was like it was clay and he said he's deciding to go to Washington State because he really liked whatever he just saw online. And he was like, Isn't Clay home? And she was like, Yeah, he's upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so Clay Thompson decided to go to Washington state based on whatever he was looking at online at the moment. And instead of walking down the stairs to have that moment with his parents, he just called them. (laughs) You grew up in a, in a
2: 50 floor (laughs) estate. That's what you don't know. It's a super long ass walk. I got a random one for you. So this one comes from Andre and more specifically Andre's book, the sixth man. And the the book sets up that the Warriors are all sitting around talking about, you know, their biggest accomplishments, a moment during their career where they felt that they were the most successful. And here's what the book says, quote, when Clay's turn came, we all assumed he was going to say that his highest moment was the day he scored 37 points in a quarter against Sacramento. I mean, that was an NBA record, but he didn't. Instead, he said, my best moment was one night I caught a pass and I was like 50 feet from the basket and I was about to shoot it. And all of a sudden I hear Andre saying, what the fuck, Clay, you're 50 feet out. And I thought about it for a second and shot it anyway. It went in and I was like, yeah, Andre, fuck you. (laughs) We all had a good laugh about that. And I was like, what? Really, dog? And he said, yeah, that was my best moment. I (laughs) love that, dude. I love that for multiple reasons. I love what it shows about Clay on the court. But I also love what it shows about the relationship between Clay and his teammates. I mean, the punchline in that between the guy who's telling the story is Clay told me, fuck you. And still it's told as an endearment, as this, this wonderful you know connection they had between the two. So I'm on board. Maxime, what do you got?
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to to share this story because we were talking before we went on air. It's like oh we don't have any personal stories, but I actually do have a personal story. Um, I didn't necessarily get to meet him, but I was in the same sphere off the court. Uh, I was hanging out with my buddies, walking around Lake Merritt. This is I think 2013, right? So Clay was still pretty young in his career, um, and we went to get some some uh, some tacos over at Tacos Me Rancho, um, which is over there on the on the south side of the lake. And uh, we put in our order and we're sort of sitting off to the side waiting for them to call our number. And none other than Clay Thompson, which you can see from a mile away because he's like huge, right? Comes up on a skateboard because I guess at the time he was living in the towers right next to Lake Merritt. Rolls right up picks up an order so I guess he called it in so this must have been a regular occurrence hops right back on the skateboard and sort of takes off and and there were like a lot of people there right a lot of Warriors fans everybody sort of recognized even if they didn't know who it was that's definitely a basketball player right and there was just this sort of like awe of whoa what just happened somebody literally rolled up <laughs> grabs whatever burrito and like rolls off and it was just like so he's such a man of the people he's the type of dude that like calls his mom from upstairs you know calls me rancho from down the block to order his food. Um, just because he's chilling. It's, it was just such a beautiful, like, Oh, he's a man of the people experience.
2: I love that because there's a 70% chance that that was not his order. The fool just rolled in there in a skateboard and somebody's burrito. And if that is what happened, there's a hundred percent chance of whoever's burrito that was, was totally fine and giving it to clay. You know, it was like, fuck it. Like, yeah, I'll I'll order a new one. What a great experience for me. (laughs) That was my burrito. I shed a
0: tear, but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: exactly (laughs) right. Uh, KP, back to you. And this one's a little personal, but it's one I'm very excited to hear its answer. What is a piece of dating advice you would give to the men of Utah? So what can they do to help make a better first impression outside of terrible mustaches and mullets?
3: My gosh. All right. Let me tell you what not to do. This is for men everywhere. Do you know what? I feel like I've been like the sounding board for things that men should never say to women. Like I was in a long term relationship and the guy, we eventually broke up, but we were together for like six years. And I was like, are we doing this? Like, are are we going to get married? And he's just like, I know you think six years is a long time but forever is a really long time. So like, <laughs> this is just like, like, I feel like people just look at me and they're like, you know what? I'm going to say exactly what's on my brain. Like <laughs> things that you should never ever say to women. For instance, two weeks ago I was on a date and this guy, first of all, like never ever say ever, why are you still single? Like, oh. stop, don't say that. Like, why do you need an explanation? I'm saying like, we're sitting here having dinner. Don't ask me that. Then he said, I don't understand this whole facade that you women put up about being miss independent. It's not a thing. Don't you know that you were put on this earth to be with a man?
2: Oh. Oh, did they take a time machine to this fucking date? How, how the hell did I that know. happen?
3: And, and so then my brother, I think I told you the story, Bram. My brother goes, he's like, Did you get up and walk out? And I was like, No, I ordered the lobster. It was the most expensive thing on the menu. I took two bites. I said I wasn't hungry. And I made him pay for it. And then I ghosted him and I never talked to him again.
2: I do remember this because what I remember saying is you should have ordered stock in the fucking restaurant. Be like, I'd like to order 30% of this restaurant, please. And (laughs) then explore it from there. (laughs) Yeah. I I was sitting at a bar recently. Um, I was grabbing a drink, waiting for a friend. And there was a couple right next to me. And the dude started talking to this This one, they looked like they'd been together for a while Who knows, and they were watching a football game And he gave some piece of sporting information To her, I, I wasn't paying attention to that And she was playing along with him Like she, you could tell, she was crazy bored by it But fuck it, you know, she, she she's there on a date She'll play along with him, and starts to Interact with the piece of information, and she got Three words in, and the guy said I feel like you're already wrong I was like, oh my god, like almost like stepped in Like, excuse me sir, I couldn't help but notice that you're a gigantic Douche asshole, like where do you think this is going to go from here who has ever heard the phrase you are already wrong and was like i'd like to continue this conversation i
3: feel like i've done that when people try to like they think that they know more about basketball than i do on a date and i'm like (laughs) you don't like yes you could be a fan but this is what i do 50 hours a week. Like right now I've got two games on. And I'm okay. Doing there the you podcast. go.
2: You're saying that like, I don't know that the last time I felt like someone was telling me you were already wrong is when you looked away at the screen <laughs> while we were trying to talk. Uh, boys make this personal to you. What's the worst dating experience you're willing to share with us on this show?
0: You mean besides the time that I dropped a mag light on my thing? Yeah,
2: girlfriend? Besides the time that you climbed a ladder and like gave the woman behind you a concussion. Uh, To give you a little time to think, I'll go first. It's kind of an embarrassing one. So first year of law school, I went to an event with my wife. So, you know, date, I don't know how you use that phrase. We'll call it a date. We've been together for a long time. But at that stage, my wife was basically buying my clothes and was confident I could not clothe myself. So we go to this date, it's a it's a nice event and part of it was I was going to go buy my own brand new suit and so I show up in this new suit. So it's an opportunity to both, you know, have a nice night with the wife and to show her that I'm competent at my own shopping. Well about 30% in, I realized that the suit I had bought and I am wearing is a woman's suit. It doesn't have any fucking pockets and the the jacket is cut <laughs> hell of tight in the back. And I now have to spend, like, my first approach was like, I'm just gonna sit down the whole time and she'll never see it. Well, I got to ride back home to the same place we were living with her. So ultimately she realized my pocketless women's suit and you know, it could have gone better for me.
1: That's a very Michael Scott moment
2: for <laughs> it, was, it was
1: very similar to The Office. <laughs>
2: This is where you guys also have embarrassing stories. You fuckers, leave me out on this limb. I'm not going to tell you that. Right. No,
0: that's fine. I got you. I, I, I mean, I you have stand all stand up and
2: of- you're wearing women's pants right now.
0: <laughs> I might be. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not trying to flirt. So I'm not in a bikini and uh, high heels.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're not um, walking Gary. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I uh, I feel like I've shared other stories. Um, so the one uh, maybe that I haven't shared that I'll share this time is I, I, I took a girl out on a date in high school. Um, and at the time I was like very sure of myself and it turns out that I was just as weird then as I am now. Um, which is, I, w- I drove a station wagon. It, uh, it had been kitted out. Uh, so Volvo, right. 1992 station wagon. It had been completely kitted out. I had a subwoofer, even though it was a station wagon, it was just like strapped into the corner of the uh, <laughs> the thing. Right. Because at the time, like I was a runner and I listened to music and that was like my identity. <laughs> so I take this girl out on a date. We got hot chocolate. It was very romantic. Um, I can already tell she wasn't that into me, but like, I was like, great, we're on our way back. Like, what song do you want to listen to? And she put on some song and the song finished. And I was like, you know, like I had this slick line. I I don't remember, but it was something to the effect of like, this car is a perfect representation of who I am. Right. (laughs) Because like, you know, it's like, I can go anywhere. Right. Like I run super fast. And like, so I just, I can jump out of the car and go and like, isn't the sound system really great. And she didn't even dignify me with a response. It was, it was complete silence. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm so cool. The subwoofer just slapped. How <laughs> sick is this? And it was dead
3: silent.
2: I mean, I feel her. If the first compliment you gave yourself about the car was, this car can take me anywhere I want to go. That is not specific <laughs> to that car, dude. What you just <laughs> described is any car with wheels, I feel like the Flintstone car would take you anywhere uh, you wanted to go.
3: Wait, can I, can I tell you guys? Uh, cause you just now triggered a high school memory of mine. Oh. This isn't a horrible date, but it's something horrible that I did. So I have a twin sister and in high school, uh, she wanted to break up with her boyfriend and, uh, she was super shy and didn't know how to do it. So no. I did it? did it for her and no. I made it. <laughs> so like I, she calls him and is like, Hey, let's go to the movies. Let's go. And I was like, it has to be at night. Cause like, then I'll get in the car And he won't be able to tell right away that it's not you. And so like, he pulls into the driveway. My sister's like waiting by the door. I was like, this will be over in 20 seconds. Like, cause again, like I'm a cold hearted bitch. I don't care. I'll break people's heart all the time. So I get in the car and I was like, before we go there's something I need to tell you. This isn't working out. He's like, are you okay? There's something different about you. I was like, (laughs) this isn't gonna work out. Have a good night, bye. (laughs) I got out of the car. <laughs> like,
2: okay. Oh, Kristen, okay. did you do that because you wanted to help your sister? Or did you do that because you kind of wanted to fuck with that dude and just enjoyed pulling the wings off a fly? I, was, I guess it's <laughs> <is> the second.
3: <laughs> no, I would. I wanted to help my sister. I, she I was call super, bullshit. I, no, she, I call she, There's no, it no
2: fucking super, way.
3: She was super stressed <laughs> out about it. I was like, girl, this will be over in 20 seconds. Like, I got this. And then it continued in college. Like, if she went to a bar and, like, she met a dude, but she didn't want to talk to him, she would give them – my number in New York and then like I get a text or a phone call from a dude that she had met in San Diego and I have to pretend to be Lisa and be like yeah I'm not really interested sorry it was great meeting you this isn't gonna work out
0: can I a quick follow-up question do twins text the same how is that an important thing what do
3: you mean no this is back like I'm old so this was like (laughs) texting like the guys would literally like call me on the phone remember the old flip phones remember how hard that was to text like T nine. Yeah, and you just, press it three
2: times. Yeah. Boom so, boom, boom C. So boom phone, boom, boom. Calls, yeah, like,
3: phone calls. were the way that like you would follow up after you got a girl's number at the bar. So they would you, call me, and I'd be like, Yeah, I'm did you Panic
2: a little bit when you're breaking up with that dude, and he said you seem different. Was there a portion of you who was like, Oh no, I know, like the I was like, that's, that's what
3: I was like. I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I was like, Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I also like that you started off with before we go, you fucking liar. You guys weren't going anywhere. <laughs> just, just been like, dude, it's over. Fuck yourself. I'm out. He was
3: picking me up for the movies. And so I was like, okay. no, he was not. He was I picking know. Lisa <laughs> up
2: for the movies. He was not <laughs> fucking picking you up at all. He didn't know that you existed in any way.
3: I mean... <laughs> Listen, it might be a, one of his worst stories, but it's like one of my favorite from high school era.
2: Do You know anyway. how much I hope that when we ask Marcus what his worst story is, he's like, "Yeah, one time a twin broke up with me, pretending to be the other twin."
1: Exactly. That would be. <laughs> I was getting ready to go, to go to the movies and see. <laughs>
2: <That's> <laughs> I could tell movie. something was different. I knew something was off the whole time. <laughs> MT, what's uh, your story? And it better be embarrassing, you. Don't give us one of these of like. I don't really have a good one. I was God damn it, that, it that whole was probably, time. Of course
1: you do. I can't I can't think of one. The closest is a bad one was when I was super young. Um, I used to, my family's from Michigan and we would go to Michigan uh, every summer and uh, we have a big family on my dad's side. So we were going out to this popular spot in Detroit called Belle Isle and um, we were going over there and hanging out. And I was like, oh, this that girl's kind of cute and was, you know, like figuring out how, how I'm going to go talk to her. And go up and go talk to her and, you know, say whatever. And um, I was like, cool. My brother comes over and is just like, um, he's like, were you just talking to that girl right there? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know, that's your cousin, right? Oh. So, yeah. So <laughs> oh, I That's came really embarrassing. Right. Mc- very, very close to trying to date my cousin apparently. Yeah, no, I think there's a word for that.
2: I think it's called incest. And I'm glad that we, I'm glad that's where we landed. I also like that you said that you didn't have anything embarrassing and and you're trying to hook up with your cousin. So, I mean, I I was going to give you, I'm over here in women's pants. Maxime is pretending to be a Swedish car known for safety. And you were going to say you had nothing, but fortunately we got there. Um, A very
3: Utah story you just told, MT.
2: You're gonna to have to move. <laughs>
1: can, not, can I help you?
2: Yeah. And for those for those who think that was Kristen Picus not that's her twin Lisa. Um, she has a lot of negative takes about Utah. Here's our final question, and I'm gonna be transparent about it. I am nervous about your response. I am I am legitimately worried about the response. Um, so the question itself is simple, but it requires a little explanation. Here's the question: "Quote is Kuminga happy with his role and future in Golden State?" So simple enough, you know, he's been anointed the future. Um, He seemingly is playing really well. And there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about all things Kaminga. But it got a little complicated for me. And here's why. Um, I recently read a Dime magazine piece by an author named Katie Heindel. And it was called Jonathan Kaminga's Journey to the NBA. It's always been about perspective. And this quote and passage appears in it. Quote, Kaminga was drafted seventh by the Warriors, A distinction he shares with his cousin, Emmanuel Moutier, who was drafted seventh by the Nuggets. When asked if it irked him not to go at least one higher so he could tease Moutier, Kaminga turns serious. Quote, I wanted to go one, he said, his voice decisive. I know I was going one, but I don't know what happened. I can't control it. I dropped to seven. While he admits being drafted to a team like the Warriors is something he was still really happy about, There's a sense when speaking to Kaminga that the results of the draft have become a source of stubborn inspiration for him, evident on the floor this season and in his quick crumpling of a potential opening icebreaker. So here's what worries about this. If he is focusing on the draft and what he would like to do is gone number one, and he's focusing on recent past, not distant legacy future, there is a chance that currently, even though we all know that his future is currently bright, his, his present, is nothing compared to the, uh, you know, Evan Mobley's of the world, to the Jalen Green opportunities, to the types of shots that Cade Cunningham can have. And as smart as we've said Kuminga is, he's still 19, you know, and, and at 19 years old, it'd be real easy to look around, see. I mean, uh, we were joking earlier, Christian, you went to go watch him in Utah, but he only got, you know, two minutes because of fouls. He's, he's disappeared in some games, because this opportunity is designed to make him a success in what, four years, five years, not right now. So you know him, you know him personally. I mean, you've, you've really gotten to know his personality. What's your sense of this and it's speculation, you know, but like, what's your sense? Is he happy in his current role here in golden state?
3: I think he's probably frustrated. I mean, we we've talked about this. Like uh, when I spoke to him at the beginning of the season, like he was, he was frustrated. Like, Having to put minutes in the G League, do assignments in the G League, and not see prominent minutes in the rotation for the Warriors, the team that he was drafted to. Um, so it's you know someone that's always been told probably his entire life, you're great at basketball, you're great at basketball, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. To now have to step in and be humbled in a rotational spot. That's gonna take. It's gonna take some time. It's gonna yep. take some growing pains. It's gonna take some getting used to. So we're seeing that now with him, like, is he frustrated? Probably. I mean, guys are in the NBA because they love basketball. They're in the 1% of all basketball players in the world and they're playing at the highest level. So does he look at other guys that were drafted before him and think that should be me. I should have that opportunity. I should be getting those numbers every night. Probably.
2: As an older person. It's way easy for me to see, okay, you know, it'd be frustrating. But if the Warriors came to me and said, um, you're not going to get it now, but you are our future, which which presumably they're doing, you know, they're not telling him he has to earn it. I'm sure they're telling him, like, just give us a couple of years, learn this system, then you'll dominate in it. His maturity level, do you think that if that is in fact happening, do you think that that speaks to him? Does that calm down any concerns he might have?
3: Yeah, I think he's going to be fine, right? Like, I'm sure those conversations have happened within the Warriors organization. And I'll tell you something like Moses Moody. Mo said to me draft night when I was like saying, oh, congratulations, whatever. He's like, we're here. We've made it, but we're far, far away from making it. You know what I mean? And so he, Mo has the right attitude. JK probably is feeling still slighted about being drafted seven, and wants to make a statement, but those opportunities are not going to come because he's on the best team in the NBA. Yep.
2: Last personality question. Um, a while ago, I had my first job. It's an opportunity in a law firm. Um, and there was with some people who were good at their job. And I, my personality type, I'll listen and I will say all the right things, but I'm not really good with advice. I, I get defensive almost, you know, like I almost want to show everybody I'm already good at it. And so why are you telling me things? I, I, should, I should already be competent in this, you know? Whereas other people who I was working with were smart, even though they were good at their job, they sat back, they listened, you know? But what it teaches me is there's a personality that you need to be able to benefit from mentors. It's not enough just to be in a position where there's a mentor, you also have to be open to them. So the thing we keep hearing about Wiseman and Kuminga is that they are surrounded by mentors. They're surrounded by uncles, Uncle Draymond, Uncle Steph, Uncle Clay soon, Uncle Steve. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people there. Personality wise, is Kuminga the type of person who will accept a mentor from what you know?
3: I think so, he is like a worker. You know, so obviously he's on a team now where he's seen the success of Draymond, Clay, and Steph. So if any one of those three guys approach him and said, hey, you know, let's work on this. Like, you got to see this in the offense. You got to work on this rotation on the defensive side. He's going to soak that up like a sponge,
2: Yeah,
3: you know, and and take heart to it. Because I think he does know, like, he's young. And, like, if he wants to have a long career, like, he's got to get to that second contract. He's got to show that he's a team player and not be like a Kevin Porter Jr. of the world.
2: Yep, you know, right. and
3: blow up a locker room.
2: <laughs> you, don't, you don't think he should try to throw something at his coach and then bounce at halftime? That's not a super good thing to do? or I wouldn't,
3: I, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't i do don't <laughs> I'm not know. I'm not an expert. But.
2: Um, if the Warriors could only develop one. So they won't. They'll develop both. We'll be fine. Um, and, you know, their future is crazy bright. But just for the purpose of this question, they could only develop one of them. Wiseman or Kaminga. Who's more important for their future in your mind?
3: J.K. Kaminga. Why? To me, Kaminga is a star because he can guard multiple positions. He's more of an offensive threat. And there are other players coming up in this draft that you can get for rim protection. And what what, uh, Wiseman brings to the table. I think J.K. is a special talent and you're not going to come. You're not going to come. They're not a player like J.K. isn't going to fall in your lap. At nineteen, very often.
2: If you commissioned a bunch of basketball scientists to create a body that was perfect for twenty twenty two basketball, you would create fucking Jonathan Kaminga, you know, a, a six <laughs> eight Uber athlete who who can get to the rim at fucking will and can guard all positions. And if you can develop that three, he is literally the embodiment of what current basketball is. You know, so I I agree with you. Boys, do you? You can only pick one. You're only developing one of the two prized young players. Whom is it?
0: Well look, I mean I I have learned now a number of times to never question KP. Um, so this is not in any way going against that. But what I'm thinking of is I, I read sort of this. Sounds like, like he's going to
2: question you, KP, which <laughs> I makes know. me hell of excited. On.
0: <laughs> I, I, um, this reference of a, of a dichotomy, right? There are two types of players. This was an, an article about Andrew Wiggins on ESPN talking about he's a number one pick. He had the perfect body for the NBA, right? An athlete that like broke the charts on all levels, all of these sorts of things. But it turned out he didn't necessarily have the genius, right? He had the body, but maybe not the brain. Um, and so, you know, I'm just sort of remembering Mandarin speaking James Wiseman over here, potentially, totally positing this as a potential, might end up being the person that has more of the mental capacity to excel. And we also know that he's an incredibly gifted physical athlete. So, you know, if there's one way that those went out, you know, maybe, maybe we understand that JK has a lot of the, uh, um, the, the work ethic, but maybe he can't excel on the genius level um, in the way that, that Wiggins couldn't either.
3: I just have one question: uh, How many games has Wiseman played? And uh, coming off in a meniscus tear, which was like she I- felt. I'm sorry, questions. but like, fuck
2: you, Maxine. <laughs> but
3: but like, when I tore my meniscus, I wasn't out for a year. I was out for eight weeks. Yeah, I only
2: have so one hard. question: Are you Lisa? This whole thing,
3: <laughs> I don't,
2: I kind of hope that you have your your uh, twins sit in at some point. Marcus, uh, what's your response? And feel free to question KP.
1: Exactly. Anytime you start with, I don't want to question KP, but,
2: but I love the butt. We all knew it was coming. There's no question at all. His body posture screamed. There's a butt.
1: Exactly. Um, now I'm I'm going with Kaminga too. I think the uh, you have to remember that he didn't grow up in the United States, so all of the the playing basketball like it's the equivalent of growing up in England and playing soccer, right? Like you just are exposed to better soccer players and the sport in a different way. When you grow up in the United States, you're exposed to basketball in a different way. And he didn't get that exposure um, for those early years. So I think he's still learning how to become a basketball player. So all of this is just pure raw talent and he's doing all of this off of pure raw talent. Um, So I I just think the sky's the limit for him. Um, My, When you ask KP, like, is there anything that you don't like? To me, it's the body language. Um, It's probably because he's 19 and frustrated and doesn't feel like he should have went seven and isn't getting enough playing time in his mind. Um, But he and Wiseman both don't seem like they're having as much fun on the court as you should be when you're playing with Steph and on this team. So um, for whatever it's worth, it doesn't seem like it seems to be an issue that people care about but for some reason it matters to me but I just hope and look for both Kaminga and Wiseman to enjoy the game a little bit more I think they will play better if they're out there having more fun and not so hard on themselves like their time will come they will be you know the faces of this franchise and you know soak up the game from the vets that they they can right now. Iguodala told it to Jordan Bell and those other rookies. He was like, you, "This isn't a normal situation. You're coming into an organization that is at the top of the league. Like there are a few other really well-run organizations, but the Warriors are right up there. So this isn't. It isn't like this in every team, and it isn't like this in the NBA. This is a, a bubble situation. So uh, take advantage of it and and learn from it. And hopefully, hopefully, to KP's point, that's sinking into. Uh, um kaminga and wiseman's been soaking it up while he's been um taking 10 times as long to recover from an injury that kp dominates here's (laughs) something you guys don't
2: know over the course of our two plus decade friendship i've told marcus a thousand times stop talking about soccer nobody gives a shit about soccer stop making (laughs) soccer fucking references stop bringing it up and i just can't it's a fight i cannot win
1: a beautiful game
2: yeah i mean i hate that phrase you know (laughs) i hate that phrase kristen you were phenomenal. You always are. And I am positive. I'm not the only one thinking it. For those who need more KP in their life, where do they go?
3: Um, well, you can find me on Hinge If for all the single guys out there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> Mustaches <God>. only, please.
3: <laughs> I can't believe you're still single. don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, uh, you, can, <laughs> you, can, you can read all my stuff on Yahoo Sports. I've got rookie power rankings coming up next week. Mock drafts uh, leading up to the NBA draft or follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Kristen Peak.
2: And if you'd like to find the gentleman who told Christian that women are only there to be with men, you wanna look somewhere in the 1920s. Um, it's not gonna be easy to get back there, but His number you can is, do. just
3: kidding. <laughs> yeah, there you
2: go for us. You wanna reach out to us, get us some questions, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job, hit us up on our email account, which is Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Boom. Uh, We're also up on social media. Only one Twitter. uh, There we are at warriors huddle. Uh, And finally, if you'd like to watch the Patreon feed, if you want to see the video, uh, make fun of any of the things that are going on here, act as our master of all things, body posture. All you got to do is support us for as little as a dollar a month to do that. Hop up on Patreon. You can see Marcus awkwardly dancing right now. You can, uh, Donate as little as a dollar a month, and it'll help us more than we can possibly tell you. In fact, shout out to all of our executive producers. Those are the people who are donating more than $15 a month. They are Steve, Rob, Noah, Jeff, Cheryl, and Amy. You mean the absolute world to us with that in mind. Go Warriors! Hopefully, we'll see you next week.
1: Good, good.